Liveline on RT Radio 1 with the all-new Kia Sportage, built for endless inspiration. The all-new Sportage, now at your local Kia dealer. 0818 715 815 Hello, good afternoon and you're very welcome to Liveline. So far we've detailed and have been contacted by up to 100 different groups and uh, who uh, organisations and indeed just friends who are organising vigils for Ashling uh, over the next two days. We will do our best to um, mention as many of them as possible. If you wish, if you wish us to mention, for, your, for us to mention uh, your one, please text us, please text us the details, the time, the exact location. In other words, not being pedantic, but Main Street in a lot of towns in Ireland can be a very long street so exact location and the exact time today tomorrow Sunday or whatever and as I say we will do our best to uh, give every one of them a mention already I can tell you as I just said uh, over 100 vigils being organised uh, this afternoon uh, tomorrow and indeed uh, Sunday Katie good afternoon Hello Joe how are you? Good thanks tell us your experience Katie what happened? Um, I suppose there's a number of, of things that have happened I'm 25 now, but looking back over the last few days on different experiences that I suppose contribute to this kind of culture of men harming women or making them feel unsafe, I can nearly pinpoint something from each mm-hmm. year of my, I'd say since I was about 18, you know. Okay. But um, I think, well, two experiences that happened um, with a walking home situation actually happened within in the day after each other they were both okay. together um one of them the first one happened when i was um i would have been 20 and i was walking home from the library in college it would have been maybe february so it was dark and um, not that that makes a difference i guess but um and um a man who i recognized from around the area um actually cycled up behind me and grabbed me by the arm and started kissing my arm and telling me to come with him that he saw me around and that he liked me and this sort of thing. And um, I thankfully was able to sort of, I could tell that he had, he was quite drunk. So I reckoned I had a bit of a better chance of getting away. So I kind of yanked him just my arm and Mm -hmm. ran as fast as I could to a nearby guard station. But um, while they were nice and everything, they couldn't really do anything about it um, because they said that it only counted as harassment if it happened more than once. Um, and I would see that man around mm-hmm. nearly every day on my way to college and he'd kind of smirk, you know. He knew, he remembered what had happened. And then I was thinking, I don't want to let this one thing taint my feeling about Dublin, about walking home. So the next day I tried to walk home again and this time... I um, was nearly home. I was about three quarters of the way home and I could sense someone behind me and I'm sure most women have know that feeling that someone's kind of gaining on you behind you. So um, I could feel this guy getting closer so I actually decided to slow down my pace to try and get him to overtake me. Um, but he matched my... He was sort of walking parallel to me so then... I decided to go faster again to try and get away. And basically, we were just zigzagging up and down the path for a couple of hundred metres. And then eventually he spoke up and he said, um, I know what you're doing, by the way. So met, like he was clearly aware that he was making me intimidate, you know, he was intimidating. And um, you kind of need to like make a decision. Are you polite? Uh or do you get aggressive and tell someone to, to go away, but then what if they turn on you? So I sort of made the decision to be, he kept trying to engage in conversation, you know. So I was being polite. He was asking me questions about my, where are you going? What do you do in college? This sort of thing. I was just kind of giving vague one word answers. Mm-hmm. And we were getting closer and closer to my house. And in my head, I was thinking, do I keep walking and he, then he won't know where I live or do I try to get into the house as quickly as I can um, because otherwise I didn't know how long this was like I could have ended up walking like miles out of town so um, I reckoned 
naively I thought I had enough time to get into the door um, but he put his, he actually jumped in front of me and put his foot in my front door and blocked my entry so then um, he made this kind of deal with me that if I gave him my phone number he'd leave and it's this thing of people not taking no for an answer and this happens in nightclubs a lot and where people you, they'll ask for your phone number and if you don't give it to them, they can get very aggressive. So, and there's the thing, why would you not give them a fake number? But I've seen guys do this in nightclubs where they will call your phone in front of you. Yeah, yeah so, to try and test if it's real. So in that, I decided the best thing to do was give him my real number. And he, because, you know, my main priority was to try and get into the house. Yeah. And he he did do the thing. He called my phone in front of me before letting me through. And... It's just this, I don't know, it, the concept like that, I clearly wasn't interested in speaking to this person, but he would actually call me. I, I blocked that number numerous course, times, yeah. but somehow was calling me persistently for months and months or trying to connect with me on social media as if we were friends. You know, it was really scary. And because those things happened so close together, it really did shake me. I, I would be very wary now walking at, um, alone. Mm in Dublin at night time or anywhere but um, yeah it, it was it was and, quite and, and, and Katie you also detailed um, experiences which happened in, in view of other people mm. in nightclubs yeah yeah I was uh, telling the, the producer this morning or the researcher yeah. about um, an experience in a nightclub on Harcourt Street where I was dancing with a group of friends again I was probably about 19 or 20 and I was saying, you know, gir- girls often do this, and I'm sure lots of girls do know about this. When you're in a nightclub, you sort of dance in little groups to yeah, sort yeah. of keep each other safe because people will often make unwanted advances, and you kind of shield your friends uh, through this little circle dancing. And um, I was wearing a pair of jeans, and this, I it happened so fast. You honestly, you barely even feel what happened. But um, a man actually ran up towards me and um, put his hand down the front of my trousers. And he, I didn't really realise what had happened until I felt something inside my trousers. And I reached down into the front of like where my underwear was. Mm. And there was actually uh, a vibrator, like a phone. It was uh, like a phone disguised Mm. as a, or a vibrator disguised as a phone. So I immediately fished it out and was sort of holding it in my hand in disbelief. And he just ran back over, grabbed it from my hand, and him and his friends were, you know, laughing and yeah. thought it was the funniest joke ever. Um, Even though it was an assault. Yeah, it was. But at the time, it's you're so desensitised to these things that you nearly don't even recognise them as an mm-hmm. assault in the moment. And it's only now that I'm a bit older and I look back and I think about these experiences and I realise like how wrong they were but in the moment it's quite scary to speak up because people always they don't want you to make a scene or make a drama out of something because then they'd actually have to take accountability for what's happening there in their establishment I think And in terms of steps you take now Yeah I'd say now I probably do what most women do when they're walking home I call my partner on the phone and talk to them you know as I'm walking or I call my mom or something like that I try to kind of arrange a call if I know I'm going to be walking alone or else um, obviously texting people when you're home and then uh, walking with keys in between your fingers this sort of thing although I don't really know how useful that would be in the wrong company and um, yeah just just, but all of these measures that people take, I, I really don't think that they make a massive difference if, if the wrong person comes across you, you know. So you kind of do them to make yourself feel a bit safer, but it's quite a, it's quite a scary experience, you know, walking with, on your phone, all that yeah, type of yeah. thing. And reporting to Gardaí. Yeah, I think that based on a lot of my, fr- any friends I've known, well... I have been assaulted a few times. I would, I guess, consider them fairly minor compared to other people's experiences. And even people I know who've had quite serious assaults, 
it just seems like the guards don't they don't act on it or they I've even heard of people being told are you sure you want to pursue this you know it's going to put you through a lot of stress yeah. almost being dissuaded by guards um, into like not to pursue it because of the amount of work that it will entail to um, to go through with with the report and the stress that it would have on you as a person and I suppose when you see things like what happened in Belfast mm-hmm. with the the trial with the rugby yeah. players a number of years ago and you see the way that girls have to put themselves on trial almost and are criticised by people on social media and in the mainstream media, you really have to weigh up whether it's worth it or not putting yourself through that because it just feels like very few people get justice. Okay, Katie, Katie, thanks indeed. And, um, Stay safe. That's Katie. 51551 is the text number for you if you're organising a vigil and you wanted to try and mention it. Uh, joe at rt.ie is the email and 0818715815. Sarah. Good afternoon, Sarah. Hi, Joe. How are you? Uh, t- tell us uh, t- three daughters, one son, and uh, the experiences they've gone through. And you as well. well. Yeah, I mean, the older ones, I have a 27, 24-year-old daughter, then my son is 22, but this is actually about my 15-year-old. Okay. Um, I mean, the older ones have all gone through their bits, as I have when I was younger. Um, but what happened with, with my youngest daughter, who's 15, um, about you know, six months ago or so, we were coming back from a football match, and we had gone grocery shopping, and my daughter was helping me put the um, grocery into the into the boot of the car. When a car drove by behind us, quite close, and a man was leaning out the window, shouting something, something like "silly" or you know, and he was mm-hmm. leering out the window. He was about late thirties, early forties, and my first reaction, which was awful, my first reaction was I looked at my daughter to see what she was wearing. Right um, to see whether what what has provoked this comment, right? Yeah. I mean, she was wearing GA shorts, mm-hmm. but I was so angry at myself immediately that that was my first reaction instead of taking your man's um, car red. And um, I said to her, "My God, what did he just shout?" He said, oh, I don't know what always happens. She says, which was really, I mean, that was more shocking than the event itself was that she had experienced this previously and had never said it, taken it as normal. You know, this is what happened. So I decided to kind of watch out a little bit because I would drop her off to, like, say, the local shopping centre to meet up with our friends. And I've seen it. I've seen young men, older men, just kind of nudging each other as she walks past. And it's just, like, she's only 15. (laughs) And um, for her to have to go through this, it's just... um, It's just not right. And I really, really think that while I I don't believe everything should be landed on the school's doorstep, um, Mm -hmm. I do think that in this case, it has to be male role models, male teachers, um, coaches addressing this as like and, and, and starting a conversation with young boys men about respect about what you do and what you should do if you see somebody doing something wrong you know just to protect young girls and women all the way up then but i think it has to start in school really among among their peers really okay thank you thank you sarah uh catherine is in waterford catherine um, again like sarah uh, sarah three daughters uh youngest 15 one son uh, you have three uh, daughters as well. The eldest is fourteen. Yeah. yeah. And t- t- tell us, tell us what happened. I suppose it's kind of like what's happened over the last few days has made me realise and kind of reflect on so many of these things that happen to you as soon as you become a woman, as soon as you develop a woman's body, it starts and it really maybe wanes off a little later in your life. But it's relentless up until that point, and I suppose. I feel a bit sad to think that my own daughters will, they'll obviously have to experience all these things as well. And actually, when I was speaking to the researcher about it, like I couldn't even choose, so many things have happened to me that I couldn't even choose 
one of them because like the speaker there a few minutes ago, Katie, you know, I totally agree with her. We are so desensitised to it now. It starts when you're young in clubs and nightclubs when you're out on the road and just continues on relentlessly and you just, you roll your eyes at your friends and you just say that's just how it is and it's really depressing. And when you say it's when you say it's that's how it is, you, you in other words, you feel powerless. I think so because I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think the system is set up in such a way that that people are not really punished for these things, and there's no real recourse for women. I mean, I had a, something happen to me in the middle of the day as well when I was in my twenties. I went to the guards; nothing ever came of it, and the guards were very nice, as mm-hmm. as um, Katie said as well, but. Nothing ever came of it, even though I went in and I made a statement about it. And, and this was the um, incident that happened in broad daylight? Yeah, I was walking home from work. Uh, it was a similar time to what happened to poor Ashton. It was four o'clock in the day on a busy street in Cork and a man just came in and, and assaulted me. But now, again, it's only reflecting back now as I'm older. Of course, it was an assault, but I actually felt like I was making a big deal of it by going to the guards at the time. And yeah. I, I remember saying to the guard, I'm, I'm reporting this now to protect other women and maybe he yeah, might do it yeah. to a younger girl and the guard kept saying but it's sexual assault and I was going oh yeah yeah but it just yeah it was the middle of the day as well unbelievable okay. Catherine uh, say with us please Jennifer Jennifer good afternoon hi Joe your experience goes uh, back along way, but it has, has affected you for a long time go ahead Jennifer well you don't forget these um, these things I was out one night um, in Cork in a well-known pub with the toilets were upstairs. I was drinking downstairs. It was the jazz weekend and it was busy. And I went upstairs to go to the bathroom and on the way up there's an alcove and there was a man sitting there on his own and I clearly remember how he looked Mm -hmm. and he had no drink, nothing in his hand. So I'm in the cubicle doing my business and I heard the door opening Mm-hmm. and somebody came in and that was all I heard until I looked up and this guy that was on the alcove was looking down at me. <sighs> um, you know, okay, yeah. I started roaring. I told him, get out. Yeah, I was in my late 20s at the time and, um, you know, he didn't like what I was... He went out. He turned on all the taps in the sink so that he, uh, he that no one would hear me roaring. And with that, I stood on the toilet to look out Mm -hmm. at him to see what he was doing. And I think a girl came in, but but I did not leave the cubicle until a girl came in anyway, definitely. So I told her and I said, I just felt terrified. I could not go out on my own because where the toilets were, you could walk straight out the door onto the street. You didn't have to go back into the pub. And I was literally afraid that this man would have a knife and you know I couldn't get back downstairs and it was pre-mobile phones I couldn't ring who I was with downstairs to say you know this is what is going on but it was yesterday listening to your programme and listening to some girl hiding in the bushes twice you know I went away for a weekend and a big big guy six foot whatever followed me into ladies in a hotel again and I didn't realise he was there until I went to lock the door and he pushed in the door trying to get in on top of me. Now, again, my voice came in. I roared at him to get yeah. out. I kicked him, Joe. You know, I, you couldn't, can't go for a run. You can't go to... I, I will never again go to use a public toilet on my own. Yeah. And men joke that women go in groups to toilets. I understand why they do. But, you know, Joe, and what... I think the worst thing I did, I never reported any of those in- incidents. Mm. And it's, yeah, I'm giving, berating myself since yesterday or since hearing about Ashling Murphy that, you know, I did nothing. Am I worse? And why are you, why are you so down on yourself for, for... I'd remember both those men. Would you? You, you would, yeah. Yeah. You and I'd remember their faces distinctly. And I, I've rarely gone back, actually, to both places. Yeah, yeah. Now, you have a daughter, you say, as well, 20. I have, a, yeah, she's 23 shortly. Um, you know, worked in a pub. 
you know, she had her bum pinched numerous times. She'd give out, she'd give out about it. And men think this is acceptable. This is what we ha- and other men laughing at their friends doing whatever they're doing, like the girl who had the vibrator stuck down. We've got to stop this. We've got to tell men mm. this is not acceptable. And men have to check men. Men, men. have to check men, yes. Yes. Um, you, 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 you detailed an incident last week. Oh, well, yeah, I just detailed it because I think the lack of respect that men oh, have in this oh, country. Oh. OK, OK. Jennifer, thanks, yeah, thanks indeed, Jennifer. OK, thanks thank indeed. you. Um, let me do a list so far of the vigils uh, for Ashling that have been uh, sent into us so far. 51551 if you want to try and get a mention. The Market Square in Blessington, County Wicklow, 4pm today. Clane at Clane Athletics Club, uh, 6 p.m. this evening, uh, the track uh, outside School and Wirra in Clane. Uh, Arda Post Office, County Longford today at 4 p.m. Cork City, Saturday morning, 9.30 at the Atlantic Pond. Um, the Bank of the Canal opposite, it's a pub called The Hanged Man. Uh, that's in Milltown in Newbridge, County Clare, 7 o'clock this evening. The Grotto and Boyne, 4pm today. Uh, Rail Park, the car park there. Dunnerail Park uh, in County Lunga, that's, uh, that's tomorrow, Saturday at 4pm. Um, Bally Bay Town Park, Bally Bay County Monaghan, today at 430 the Steps of Port Marnock Beach uh, in North Dublin today at 4pm. Uh, West End Park, Newmarket, County Cork, tonight uh, beginning at 6pm. Uh, uh, vigil in honour of Ashling at Knock Plaza at 7 o'clock this, e- this evening, Friday. A candlelit musical vigil at 6pm today at the Tourist Office Plaza in Kerr, County Tipperary. And tonight, Friday, at 7.30pm, there will be a candlelit rosary prayers and music at the Grotto in the Our Lady of Knock Church Car Park in Torlochmore, in Lacka, Torlochmore, County Galway. I'll detail more of them as they come in. 51551. Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Discover our 2 to 1 offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to kia.com. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Vigil for Ashling in her home parish of uh, Kalaki from 7 o'clock this evening. The JA pitch in Mount Bolas. At Mill Street Town Park in Cork at 6pm this evening. Gather at the Astral Turf. St. Colca's a, uh, Athletic Club in Kilcock. Remember, she was going for a run. Kilcock, Kildare. Vigil 6pm this evening. Uh, starting at the Park Run start line and Shaw Bridge to Allen Bridge along the canal. All welcome. Candles, torches and of course high-vis jackets. Uh, Skull uh, will hold uh, will hold a vigil at 5pm on Monday the 17th at the tennis courts on the route to Skull Pier and a vigil and a walk uh, for Ashling in Tinnahili, County Wicklow on Sunday evening at 6pm. Again, high-vis please meeting in the Market Square. Siobhan, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. Um, this is kind of hard to talk about, but yeah. I'm a woman now that's hitting 60 very soon. And this is not new, and it's ongoing, and I'm just sick of it. I have granddaughters. And my own experience was one of many. One day, um, I live in the West of Ireland, and okay. we have a street which kind of curves onto a pedestrian street and my son and some friends pulled in the car and I was just leaning in the car to chat to them for a few minutes, keeping tabs on teenagers. And uh, a passerby male with two friends felt it was totally okay to put his hand up under my dress, which wasn't short, not that that matters. And um, I mean completely, not just pinch, I'm talking heavy jelly yeah. not good and um, it's just so inappropriate and it's just so wrong but they walked off laughing and I got so angry I ran away from my son's car they all thought what's going on with me and I was wearing flip flops which I found hard to run in so I took them off and I ran down the street and I just slapped the head off this chap yeah. because he wasn't much older than my son and I just thought how inappropriate who Reared you. To Who assault, are you? To assault a woman. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And how did it react when you when you reacted um, to him? Not great and kind of laughing as well, bravado. But I kind of, people would know me where I live and I just started, I thought name and shape, call it out for what it is. And I just roared at people, even though I'm a quite private person, what this chap thought he was going to get away with. Now, I never went to the police. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if that's how people think they can behave... It's just... From that young age. But if you ask every and woman in Ireland have they been raped, I can guarantee you. And was mom, it, yeah. That was broad daylight, one o'clock in the day. And there was uh, other young lads with him. Yes, and they had just arrived in our country. Now, it doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. I'm not into, yeah. you know, that. But they had just arrived in our country and they actually thought... And just... For the record, they were white because I don't want people to think, oh, well, um, migrants or, you know, yeah, yeah. It, nothing like but not that. Not one of the, the, the perpetrator who assaulted you was a crime, what he did. Uh, but the other two, his other two pals, neither of them took... them, it was all a joke. Yeah. It was all a joke. But they were, I was old enough to be their mum. Yeah. And still... But I, I did, I give them a good slap and I would you know, very sad, but I called him out. I just called him out and I started screaming at people what he did. Yeah, you're right. You know, and that's, whew, I don't know. Okay. Siobhan, thanks indeed. Thanks indeed. All for, right. For five okay, I just, I, I want Irish women to start reporting all of this because, you know, there has been situations where things are happening to girls and people take out their phone and videoed rather than report it. Yeah. So something has to change. And the day video games allowed extra points if you reverse back on top of the prostitute, Grand Theft Auto, all this stuff. And Siobhan, when you were shouting about what this criminal had done to you, was there any reaction from the part of, I don't want to blame them, but was there yeah, any reaction? Yeah, because I was slapping him with a, with a flip-flop, which was quite pathetic, but it was all I could think of doing. Yeah. And I just called and... You know, people just think it's comedy. It's no joke. It is no, no joke. No, and I don't blame people because they wouldn't believe yeah, that, that was my that. reaction. Yeah. But you see, it's very hard to react when you're caught in the hop. Yeah. We all have this plan of yeah. what we yeah. do if this happened. But when it actually happened, you're caught, you know, and that's how these people seem to operate to catch you on the hop. I don't understand it. I never will. Okay. Siobhan, thanks. You know, thanks. All right. Thanks, Joe, indeed, and thanks for highlighting it. Yeah, I, want, I want women to stand up and out, and I want the judiciary. Most rapes in this country are perpetrated by people who are out on remand for rape already. Why is that? Okay. Siobhan, Why are these guys getting out like Okay, Siobhan, thanks, thanks indeed okay. and kind regards. Michaela, uh, you were listening to Katie earlier on and her experience in the nightclub especially. Michaela. Hi, Joe. Um, yeah, I was astounded at how she spoke so eloquently and mm. um, it spoke like she was speaking as me. Um, I'm 27 years old. I know she said she was 25, so we're yeah. in that same yeah. age bracket and... Um, her point on unwanted advances on nights out, uh, she said it so well about how giving, you know, you feel like you have to give out your real number. Um, You don't want to cause a fuss in fear of your safety in case the man you're talking to feels rejected. Um, There's a kind of a volatility there that I think women are aware of um, especially when there's alcohol involved. So you go along, even though you you don't know who this person is. It was an unwanted advance. You may feel yeah. unsafe, but you actually end up giving them your real phone number in case of the the threat, the perceived threat. Yeah. The, yeah. They feel like, I don't know what happens. It's a, is it embarrassment? Is it... Um, 
feeling like they're not manly enough or something. They don't get the girl. I don't know. So you go along, you be polite, you don't want to cause a fuss, you act essentially um, to keep yourself safe. And yeah, I, I just, I think that's maybe one of the crux of the, the, this issue is the, the that men essentially can't deal with rejection or something. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's a multifaceted thing. Yeah. But I just wanted to expand on that point, and and I, I see yeah. you, you, you've you've uh, focused also on the other line. You want to put yourself on to put yourself on trial if you report a, a, an assault. Yeah, yeah. Again, like she said it so well. You know, um, I think she was speaking about how um, she went to report something, or or a guard was nice, but said to her are you sure you want to go through this? Like, that shouldn't be part of a, a woman's or anyone's thought process when they're reporting an assault made against them. But I think it's, I think it is something that is, is definitely thought about. It's, it's there, you know, it's, it's in the, it's in the thought process and it shouldn't be. Yeah. That fear of judgment, you know, we're all so quick to judge and especially judge women for, why they were attacked or assaulted. Like, that's bizarre. And you say the media, as part of society, have a role in this as well. Very, very much so. We're a small nation. Yeah. Like, the media has so much power. Um, It trickles down through... That can be amazing. But there's also issue with it. Very much so. And this is one of those issues. Um... I, I lived in California for a while and they couldn't get over the media that we have in Ireland, how how small stories can be made so big, mm. so quickly. Um, but it is our small size. Yeah. And I, I really think that our national bodies, RTE, and, and um, I mean, this program is amazing getting women's voices across, but I, I really think that RTE is at the top, it's at the helm, and it, it can change the narrative it has the power to do so hmm, and, and there's other other um, broadcasting and indeed print media which have a, a have a big so, role yeah. as well okay yeah. Michaela thank thank you so much Michaela and stay safe thank you Michaela Joe at rte.ie talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 and I'll give more details of more vigils as I say over 100 at this stage um, later on in the programme 51551 is the best way if you please would give the exact time the exact location and the day please uh, Dr Siobhan Quinlevin Siobhan good afternoon Good afternoon Joe how are uh, you? Good thanks it happened what three days ago? Three days ago yeah so my uh, daughter who just recently turned 13 was walking home from school in her school uniform at three in the afternoon And she was approached by a boy from another school and Mm -hmm. he asked her, would she get with him? Now, the boy was a complete stranger to her. Mm -hmm. She was wearing a mask and earphones and going about her own business and yet was approached with an unsolicited sexual request and an unwanted, you know, request. And it struck me, well, there was a few things that kind of struck me about it afterwards was, you know, this young boy said it was totally acceptable to approach a stranger, he had that sense of entitlement and, and, and no sense of upset or anything like that. This mm-hmm. is a perfectly ordinary thing for him to do. And, you know, she, at the other hand, what it, what it led to, and I suppose it's one of those things that we hear about how men and women occupy public spaces differently. But it's worse than that. Women occupy a lot less public space because mm-hmm. we reduce our context because we know we're not safe. And there's research, international research, that highlights that as girls go into adolescence, their worlds shrink. Whereas when boys go into adolescence, their mm. worlds expand. And some of that research highlights that, you know, girls occupy as little as one third of the world that their male counterparts occupy. And it highlights that the reason that girls' worlds shrink is because mm. of fear. Fear for their personal safety. And... You know, as a parent, we try to navigate that personal safety. You know, you want your daughter to be, you know, independent, fearless, brave, out in the world. But equally, you're very conscious of the world that they're living in. 
And, you know, so therefore I, I find myself on occasion limiting unfairly her world. Yeah. You know, I don't allow her to walk shortcuts home. I don't allow her to, you know, work, play. There's a local play field here, but it's not visible from the road. And it's quite dark, the route into it. So she's not allowed to go to that on her own. So I'm limiting her world um, and trying to keep her safe. But equally, even when she's in that public safe space on a public road that is mm-hmm. incredibly busy in the middle of the day, she is approached. And she is approached by people you know, asking for sexual contact. Total strangers. And I think it's that sense of, and to be clear, she had, I I asked her, you know, Mm. she's just turned 13, and I asked her how she dealt with the situation. What did she do? And what she said was, she put her head down, she didn't make eye contact, she just walked on, because she was afraid she would draw him on her. Now, I I, I listened to one of your earlier contacts contact uh, caller saying mm. how the unwanted advances start early well she's just turned 13 and that the fear of the volatility of the response if you don't you know placate mm. the man or placate in this instance the boy and that's exactly what she did and she had totally internalized that behavior so it, it is about that ability that i suppose inability of girls and women to occupy public spaces safely and to occupy all of the public spaces not that we're, you know, we're, we're naturally restricting ourselves. We're naturally trying to mm-hmm. make ourselves invisible in society so that we don't draw attackers on us. And that's how she was operating. And I said, like, how did you walk home? She, at 13, had earphones in her ear yeah. so she could pretend she couldn't hear in advance. She was wearing her mask, <laughs> you know, even more so she was covering herself to avoid that unwanted attention and it was unwanted and I think that's the other point I mean I know somebody has said to me maybe the person was just trying to get to know her you know maybe mm-hmm. it was a joke but she was cross and annoyed when she came home it wasn't funny it wasn't flattering and she didn't want it and it was unwanted attention from a young boy and that means it is from him it is natural for him to do that but for her this is what she's putting up with and I remember when she told me my response she was very cross I was really upset because I thought it started yeah. She's now going to face what all Irish women have faced. And it has started at 13. And I'm sure it starts younger for other children, but it's just, it's that level of unfairness that, you know, children, and she is a child, can't occupy this society in a safe way. Thanks indeed, Siobhan, and kind regards to you and indeed your daughter, to Siobhan Quinlivan. Um, uh, Sinead, Sinead, good afternoon. Hi, Sinead. Uh, hi, how are you? Good. What ha- what, hi, what, what was Good. your experience, Sinead? Yeah, so look, I just kind of, with, you know, the very sad news of Ashing, um, I just felt compelled to just tell my story. And, you know, it's just, it's scary how many women are coming forward now to speak about incidents that just happen on a daily basis. Um, so it was about four years ago, and I just finished up work for the evening. Um, and it was a really sunny summer's mm. evening, and I was going across town to meet my now husband and a few friends for a drink after work. Um, And I was walking down um, the side of Central Bank. Um, There's a lot of construction work going on there now at the moment, but you used to be able to kind of go down the side of the bank. There's an undercross there. Um, You know, it's quite dark. There's a couple of steps Mm -hmm. down and that brings you into Temple Bar. Um, So I was walking along there. I remember I was texting on my phone. I said, look, I'll see you in a minute. And I had the headphones in and I was listening to I remember the song specifically. It was Hall and Oates, Rich Girl. Okay. And I was walking down and the next minute I felt a hand just on my backside, yeah. which obviously I got a bit of a fright. <laughs> but then as I went to kind of turn my head, I noticed that the person's head was right, like almost breathing in, you know, down my neck. Uh, and the next minute he reached in under my skirt and forcibly grabbed me. Um, and it felt like his hand was there for about 10 seconds. Um, so, of course, I was completely stunned and shocked and uh, just I was frozen in fear for, you know, a few seconds. He swiftly made his way down the steps and turned off to the left and scuttled away. And I don't know what it came over me. I just, you know, I, I screamed initially. And I remember there was a man on his phone across the road from me who clearly witnessed the whole situation, um, who was on his phone and continued to speak on his phone and didn't stop. And I remember that so well that he didn't stop. To, to assist me or to see was I okay mm-hmm. um, and then you know I'd consider myself definitely more of a, fi- a fight person rather than flight 
Um, so I don't know what came over me, but I just got this overwhelming sense of anger. Uh-huh. So I actually ran after your man. Uh-huh. I kicked him so hard off the backside that hopefully he couldn't walk for about a week after it. Uh-huh. And then I just thought I have to get a photo of this guy. So I took out my phone, okay. put the phone right up into his face. And I said, it actually ended up being a video. Um, I said, you know, you're caught now, you're caught now, you're not going to do this again. And he just smirked and off he went. So at this point, I was in complete shock, rang my uh, boyfriend and I said, look, I've just been assaulted, you need yeah. to come over here, I'm really sh- shaken. Yeah. So he then made his way across Temple Bar to meet me. But, uh, you know, this was pre-pandemic, the streets are bustling with people out drinking, having a good time, uh, enjoying the nice weather. Um, and there was guards patrolling Temple Bar at that time. And I managed to flag down, you know, a paddy wagon. I said, oh. look, I've just been sexually assaulted. Uh, I'm really shaken, I need to find this guy. So in fairness to the guards, they were absolutely excellent. They made me get into the car, showed them the picture. They said, okay, this is a great picture. We're going to find him. They drove around Temple Bar with me in the the paddy wagon and they stopped several, you know, bouncers uh, on the the doors of different bars and said, look, you know this guy. Took my phone, showed him the picture. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't find him at that point. So then I went on, met uh, my husband or my boyfriend at the time and I just, I said, look, I, I think it was my sister that may have said it to me, do you know what, you should just post that on social media. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, now, I don't really, I'm not really big into, you know, okay. Instagram, Facebook and all that. But I said, look, I'm going to do it. Put my profile on public. I said, look, I've just been assaulted by this person. If anyone knows him, could they please, you know, either message me or go directly to the guards. And then I think within, you know, the space of a few hours, um, I was, you know, I got about five or six messages from random people saying they knew him. Uh, one particular person said, oh, he's always, you know, he's he, he's had a history of doing this kind of thing to people. Okay. But it just turns out that uh, it, it was actually a colleague of his um, didn't contact me, but saw the picture and went into the guard station and reported him that I know Brilliant. the person his name Brilliant. is X, Y, Z. Um, so then what I'll say is um, when I contacted the guards, I, I had to go in and give a statement and all that. And I said, look, I posted this on social media. Um, and they said, you shouldn't have done that. Your your case could get thrown out of court for do, for doing that. Like you know, you can't you can't do G- that. GDPR and all that. Exactly. exactly. Um, but anyway, to cut a long story short, it ended up going to court. He got a three month sentence, and the judge didn't throw out the case because of the social media thing. And I think if I hadn't done it, oh, he wouldn't have been caught. And Sinead, did you um, did you have to go to court? Yeah, I did. But I was only notified. I think it was the day before that it was going to court, which I was a little bit annoyed about because you know I didn't have. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the time to really think about what I wanted or to, to get say guidance or advice on how exactly. to. Yeah, and how exactly. was the court experience for you? It was scary. Now, I have my sister there and my brother in law for support. Um, and it was a bit nerve wracking because I would have liked to have addressed the court, but mm-hmm. I, I think I was given the opportunity to do so, but I wasn't prepared okay. mentally or, you know, emotionally. So I, I did, I think I scrawled out, you know, a handwritten um, mm-hmm. victim impact statement the day before. Um, and I did, I remember in the courtroom that day, the description of what had happened, it was the, the, the words that were used were um, I felt it was downplayed. So I did actually raise my hand and ask to speak to somebody outside the courtroom and I said, no, that's not what happened. So I think language plays a very important mm-hmm. role. Um, and I think, you know, what really comes to mind for me is that when it happened, I almost felt kind of embarrassed to tell people that it was going to the level that it went, that I was, you know, that I was making the statement because you immediately think, oh, well, I know someone that you know, something a lot worse happened to them, yeah. you know, it could have been worse. And I think as women, we have, a, we have a, we actually have a habit of undermining situations like this and, mm. and to kind of undermine the gravity of the situation when really it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's that kind of behaviour, if that lets slide, it progresses and it gets more violent and it gets more dangerous. And, um, and how so, did it affect you after, not the court, but the, well, the attack? Yeah, well, another thing I would say is when I did put my public, uh, profile on pu- public, you know, I did get some rude comments from people. Oh, I can't even remember specifically, but really, you know, dangerous uh, kind of comments, um, which were really sickening to think that there is that mentality out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, I'm not, I'm not drinking while it, by any sense of the, the term, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I am scared when I'm walking out on my own. I always look over my shoulder. I have a little baby now and I will not go out at night time with it. Like, I mean, you know, it gets dark so early here, but... And the fact that that happened to me in the middle of the day says a lot as well, you know. And I just think um, what would happen, what could have happened if it was somebody more vulnerable, somebody maybe yeah. that had a few drinks, but, you know, that was was more vulnerable than I was on that day. And I just think, you know, 
I just, I just my heart goes out to uh, Ashing. Yeah. Really does, and her family. Okay, uh, thanks indeed, Sinead, and uh, the baby in the background. Um, uh, Sinead, gone. I just want to say hello. To yeah, is that your baby? Is that your baby? It is. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what age is he or she? She's seven months. Seven oh, months. Well great, yeah. great pair of lungs on her now, Sinead. So I far, know. that's great. <laughs> Great. Okay, okay, stay stay Thanks. safe, Sinead, you, you and your beautiful daughter. Okay. Uh, Lu- thank you so much. Lu- Louise, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Centre of Dublin, Jervis Street Car Park, extraordinarily busy car park. Uh, what, 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 what happened? 9am in the morning. Yeah, that's kind of what made me call in, Joe, because mm. I think um, everybody's kind of focusing on these things usually happen yeah. late at night or in a place that's kind of isolated, but... Mine was like maybe three three or four years ago and it was um, just on my way into work, parking up in Jarvis Shopping Centre. Um, just a normal morning. I'm always the sort of person that's running late. <laughs> so I kind of just run into the car yeah. park. I just pull up and get out of the car. And for some reason, I just noticed somebody was kind of circling my car. Um, and I, the first thing I thought was, oh, look, they're trying to get my attention. Maybe I've left my lights on or, you know, and then I was kind of thinking to myself, is this somebody that I work with? Maybe I didn't recognise them. Mm-hmm. So it didn't frighten me at the start. But then, like, as people were coming and going past their cars and he was still there and he kind of was just like around the back of my car. And I thought, this is really weird. So I took out my phone and I think I rang somebody. I can't remember. Maybe I just pretended. Um, But I just felt really weird. I just had this really weird gut feeling. And I kept seeing him in the mirrors and he was just kind of smirking at me. And I felt uncomfortable enough that I actually started the car and I moved down onto one of the other levels in the car park. Okay parked up again and just thought oh that was really weird like maybe he was going to ask me for money or something I didn't know what it was so I still was a bit shook and I kind of waited until I saw somebody else walking across Mm -hmm. to the lift because I just thought I don't want to go over to the lift in case I do see him again and I saw this lady with a buggy and she was going to the lift and I saw a man with a suitcase like looked like he was on his way to I don't know but I just followed those people and kind of nearly ran towards the lift Um. And when I got into, actually into Jervis Shopping Centre, I went up to the desk where you have like inquiries about the car park or customer service. And I said it to one of the people there and they were great to be fair. Like they said, look, we'll go up and we'll look around. Can you give us a description of what he looks like? Um, And I kind of got the impression from them that somebody else had already made them aware of it because they asked me, was he carrying anything with him? And I do remember he was carrying, like to me, it looked like an empty penny shopping bag like a paper bag you can tell when there's something in it and there's course, nothing yeah. in it yeah. um, and so like that made me even more kind of thankful that I did say something to them because I did get the impression that they had already been made aware of it okay. um, and they said to me like you know I was kind of anxious about the fact that I was going to have to go back to the car park later that day to leave like would he still be there at night time I didn't know and they said you'll come straight to the desk when you need to go back to your car this evening and someone will walk you up great, to your car great, great. But like I also went into work, Joe, and sent an email to all the women in the office because like, I knew lots of people parked mm-hmm. in there and like it freaked me out that much that he was like, I don't know, like, why would you like just circle around somebody's car like that? And the fact that he was trying to make eye contact with me and was smiling, maybe he was just like going to ask me for like money or something for the Lewis. I don't know, but it was really horrible experience. And like that was in the middle of the day. So... Okay. It's just and like it shows that it doesn't just happen late at night or when you're out on your own. It can happen in a really busy place as well. And it's worth reminding people, especially men, that when women drive into a multi-storey car park on their own, they 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 look at it differently than men who drive in. Yeah, you look at where you're going to park, not in terms of ease of access to the lift, but uh, ease of where where there yeah, other people will be for, moving yeah. and how when you come back to get your car. Where, yeah, and even now, like if, I, if I'm going there, I'll always park like close to yeah. where you can have sight of the lift, where you can literally just walk a straight line out. And like you think that it doesn't kind of affect you, but it does impact how okay, you. Of course like, it does. How you and do well, well done to the staff in Jervis Street Car Park yeah. for saying that to you. Come to come. You shouldn't have to, but uh, come to. You shouldn't have to do this, but unfortunately, come to the the kiosk and we will walk. Uh, someone to walk up yeah. with you. Uh, thanks, thanks indeed, uh, Louise. Uh, Alice Morphy. Alice, good afternoon. Alice in Glasnevin in Dublin. Um, what prompted you to write this piece, Alice? Hi, Joe. Um, thanks so much for having me on, first of all. And just yeah. my, my deepest, deepest condolences to Ash and yeah. family. I, yeah. I can't imagine what they're going through. Um, I was just sitting down watching the news last night and flicking on Twitter and Instagram and just seeing the 
I suppose, the collective shock and grief of, of the whole nation and women in particular. Um, and it just led me to reflect on growing up here um, in what I would consider a very normal, ordinary, safe part of Dublin. And even in that environment, I know myself and my friends, since we were maybe the age that your previous caller, Dr. Quinlan's daughter is mm. now about 13, doing things that seemed normal at the time, like holding keys in our hands, walking home, maybe running home, um, if it had just turned dark, having the earphones in, pretending to be on the phone. And it just made me feel so sad that, like, as a society, we were conditioned from such a young age to just do these things in order to make ourselves feel safe. And I suppose it wasn't until we got a bit older that that even seemed strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this this terrible crime that was, was committed against such a young woman in the prime of her life it's, it's such an unspeakable tragedy for her family, but I think it's going to be such a watershed moment for us yeah. as a nation as well, built on the back of the other 243 women who have died since 1996. And I just hope that Ashling's legacy is finally a catalyst for change for all of us, that we can live in a society where women can go out at any time of the day, be it bright or be it 11 o'clock at night, and exercise or do whatever they feel they want to do without living in constant fear. And um, Alice, have you written stuff before? Is this your first? Um, I I have. I write poetry in my spare time. Um, I've been doing it since I was a child. My dad would sit down with me and um, he'd he'd get me to rhyme things off. And I only started again, to be honest, at the start of COVID. I was living in Australia and um, I, I just used it as a way, I suppose, to, to channel my, my anxiety and the collective feeling that we were all having at the time. And I just continued it and then um, posting it on Instagram is, I guess, my creative outlet in my spare time. OK. So, Alice, if you would, please, would you uh, recite the poem? And then at the end of the poem, with your permission, we will have 23 seconds of silence. Um, and that's a second it's totally inappropriate. Second, in terms of the depth and the breadth of such a wonderful life, but to remind everyone that each one of those seconds represents a year in the life of Ashley Murphy. This is Alice Murphy. Jagged keys clutched in anxious hands leave identical imprints on petrified palms. Furtive looks a quickening pace, the text of relief. I got home safe. 244 in 26 years, towns steeped in sadness, faces drowned in tears. A sorrowful sisterhood taken before their time, all innocent victims of masculine crime. It's not safe to walk alone. It's not safe to run alone. It's not safe to be alone anywhere outside your home. We're tired of vigils. We're fed up with hashtags. We are sick of saying the names of those who deserved to remain anonymous by the simple virtue of remaining alive. Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with the all-new Kia Sportage, built for endless inspiration. For more, log on to kia.com. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. A vigil in Mount Mellick County Leash, 6pm tomorrow at the Christmas tree. A vigil was held in... uh, Betty's Town Beach in County Mead. Candlelight Vigil tonight, uh, Friday at 4pm, Marcus Square, Hill Street, Newry, County Down. 
village in Newport, or vigil in Newport at four thirty tomorrow, Saturday, Newport Church Car Park at four thirty. Um, Thomas Davis JA Club uh, in Talla, Dublin, twenty four at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon, and there will be a short walk involved as well in memory of Ashling. Vigil taking place to Square Gort, County Galway today at four. Palmerstown uh, Solidarity Walk in County Dublin Saturday at four p.m. from Palmerstown House Pub in the centre of uh, that suburb in West Dublin. Four p.m. tomorrow at the Cashel Plaza in Cashel, Tipperary. A vigil in Fingalians a GA Club sword at 4pm today Mount Rath County Leash walk in the GAA grounds at 7 this evening. Uh, the running track Cannon Hayes Sports Centre in Tipperary 7.30 this evening Friday. Uh, the uh, the park in Ratniska GAA Club at 7.30 this evening. At High County Gildare 4 o'clock today Lock 27 Grand Canal William Street silent candle lit Vil, vil, vigil. Uh, village in Kilmockridge, Wexford tonight at 7pm meeting at the Village Car Park. Please wear a high vis. There will be a prayer vis- vigil for Ashling this evening in the Church of St Mary's and Lawrence in Crookstown, County Kildare. Uh, Glen Road GAA grounds Limerick tonight, Friday at 7 o'clock. The Square Kildare Town today, 4.30pm. Uh, Trim GAA grounds uh, 4 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday. St. Finian's Primary School, Newcastle, uh, County Dublin, today at 4 p.m. Daly Mount Park, Wednesday, next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, vigil and walk from Mount Shannon Church to the uh, beautiful harbour there at Mount Shannon uh, on the river at 4 p.m. Uh, today. And we'll have more before the end of uh, the programme. Geraldine, uh, sorry for holding you there, Geraldine. Uh, your experience, please, Geraldine. Um, I just want to say that poem was lovely. That yeah, Alice it was lovely, Alice Morphy. Absolutely, bo- yeah. uh, lovely. In, so memory of, in memory of Ashley Morphy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was just incredible, really, just yeah. beautiful. And it's a sentiment that a lot of women would hold, you know. I'm actually 61 and um, this has been going on forever. And I'm just wondering, wouldn't it be, it'd be interesting if you did a poll on how many women have been in similar situations where they've been um, just f- afraid to walk or have been, you know, just yeah. assaulted in ways. I, I'd say that you'd be surprised how many women would have had um, similar, uh, not obviously to that extent, but been harassed. Yeah, well, the Savvy, the Savvy report, it's nearly a decade ago. There's a need for a new one. had astonishing well, so. statistics on, on the women who've been uh, assaulted in various ways. You, w- w- you were travelling to Cork on a train. I know, yeah, I was travelling home. I was coming from Tralee to Cork in the 80s and mm-hmm. I was coming up Military Hill. And um, I think it's, yeah. And I just was aware that somebody was behind me on a bike. And I kind of looked behind and I was sort of, you know, because I had my bag and everything. And um, the next thing, he was literally beside me and there was a church on the left. It was halfway up the hill. Um, And I just got a bit nervous and I I, I tried to hurry on. And he literally, he, he just dropped the bike and caught me and dragged me right down to the back of the church. And I screamed all the way down, which I was so lucky I was able to do that. Um, and got me back at, at, on the, you know, he was, well, we were behind the church. And then I just sort of, you know, you try and think, what what am I going to do here? I have to stall for time. So I kind of told him, I said, listen, why don't you bring mm-hmm. me and the bag out as if he would. And um, you can have whatever I have. You, you can have whatever money, whatever you want. And I'll leave you, I, you know, take the bag, whatever. I was stalling. And I was just so lucky that somebody heard me. Somebody in the n- nearby house, or there was a house Okay. A kind of line of houses there, and they heard me, and they came running out, and I was just so lucky. And you know, he ran off, and you know, um, I went down to the police station afterwards, and you know, there was an identification. I had to look at loads of mug shots. We never did. He never did. We never got him anyway. Okay. But that's not the first time that has happened to me. I mean, I've been, and I just think a lot of women have gone through so many different um, variations of that. And not only women, but young. And even when I was a young eight-year-old, I was, um, you know, there was stuff that happened. I'm just saying it is prevalent. It's out there. It's just unbelievable out there. And I don't know what 
what's this about? I mean, we really need to get some message out there okay, to well, help. Uh, and and your your unfortunately your awful experience uh, adds to that message for people. Thanks indeed, Geraldine O'Rourke. Uh, Grania, Grania, what happened? It was in London. Hi, Joe. Yeah, I just I uh, was listening to um, everything that mm-hmm. your callers have been have been speaking about, and I just wanted to share my story, which which was an unfortunate event, but had a, a good outcome, which was. Um, I was living in London and I was cycling home one afternoon, broad daylight on a residential road. And uh, two young guys overtook me on a motorbike. Um, mm-hmm. And as they overtook me, they reached out and slapped me obviously below, below the waist, as, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. And it kind of just, it shook me. But luckily, you know, it was a minor incident. They drove off and I, I managed to get the license plate. So I got home um and I called the Met Police and I reported it and it turned out, of course, the license plate was reported as a motorbike that was stolen. So there was very little they could do. However, because of the nature of mm-hmm. the assault um, was considered as a sexual assault, they insisted that they send out a police officer to my home to okay. speak to me to, to ensure that they could assess whether I was you know, in need of counselling and to make sure that I kind of recalled the whole event and just really to make sure that I was okay. And, to, you know, it was, it, they insisted it happened. It did. I think the person, the, the police officer stayed with me for maybe 30 to 40 minutes um, to make sure that I was okay. And if I hadn't been, they would have referred me on to additional support services. And I just, you know, I think it really, uh, I really appreciated it. And I didn't really realise until that, that officer came down how much of it affected me, and that's something I think I heard a lot of your your callers say, which yeah. is you kind of don't in the moment. You're just trying to to get through it, and then afterwards you realise the kind of impact it's left. So I don't know if that kind of support exists in Ireland, but after it's after report, but I, I would hope it does because it really uh, really stood out to me um, and helped me. Yeah. Okay, Grania and the, and the police took it took it seriously. Um, and and they kept they kept they kept coming back to you. Thanks, Lee Grania. Amy Bourne is in Kildare. Amy, what happened? How you doing? Um, I was. Um, it was about four or five years ago that I, I was in town coming home from a concert, and uh, I was at a uh, traffic lights in my own car, a uh, red light, and uh, a guy came up and knocked on the window, and Worley said, "Oh, are you a woman?" And his mm-hmm. friends were behind him, uh, laughing away, giggling, walking on on the pavement. And uh, I'd uh, kind of got out, opened the door to get out to, to kind of uh, push him or something, but I had no shoes on, so it was all I could do, and the lights went green. And sure, when I went, I think he got a bit of a shock that I was prepared to get out of uh, the car, and he ended up on the ground on his uh, backside. Like, but uh, the, gle- the lights went green, so I had to drive on. But and he was actually left sitting in the middle of the road, you know. But I'd say they were on the night out, a gang of about, five or six lads would say in their late 20s maybe 30 but it wasn't until like about 10 minutes later that it kind of kicked home like you know why you know it was probably a few drinks taken but like you know it's someone coming up to your window like that like you know at about midnight like in the streets of Dublin it was just off George Street and it was just it was only afterwards that it got us kind of the fright kind of set in you know yeah. um, I'm just l- looking up and again again what happened to you was, was uh, in a public place, but I mentioned the Savvy report. It's a sexual abuse and violence in Ireland report. And it was done 20 years ago. Sorry, it was published 20 years ago. And my understanding, and if it's not, it should be, is that there's another one on the way two decades later. But the stark figure from that was um, in the Savvy report uh, by the Royal College of Swords of Ireland, Hannah McGee, Rebecca Garvin, Marae de Barra, Joanne Bourne and Ronan Conroy, 42% of women reported some form of sexual abuse or assault in their lifetime. Amy, thanks indeed. Thanks indeed and stay safe. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. We're trying to keep up with the number of vigils we're being told about. This is a list of, I think it's nearly 100, uh, compiled by, in the last hour, by Grace Waller and Fiona Donlan with uh, the music of Shabelle underneath. Michelle. Dublin, 4pm, The Doll. Limerick, 6pm, Arthur's Key Park. Belfast, 4pm, Belfast City Hall. Derry, 4pm, Guildhall Steps. Tullamore, 4pm, Tullamore Town Park. Carlo, 6pm, The Fountain Carlo. Clonmel, 6pm, The Main Guard. 
Nina, 4.30 p.m. Bamba Square. Cap'n Kerr, 4.30 p.m. Digby Bridge. Dundalk, 5 p.m. The Square. Waterford, 6 p.m. People's Park. Bray, 4 p.m. Braytown Council. Wexford, 4 p.m. The Quay. Navan, 4 p.m. Blackwater Park. Maynooth, 4 p.m. Maynooth Square. Greystones, 4 p.m. Men's Cove. Meath, 4 p.m. The Square, Old Castle. Donegal, 5 p.m. The Diamond, RD. Waterford, 6.15 p.m. Walton Park, Dungarvan. Kerry, 4 p.m. Library Place, Calorglan. Straban, 4 p.m. Straban Square. Kerry, 6.16 p.m. The Pier, Ballydavid. Kerry, 4 p.m. Town Square, Tralee. Cork, 6 p.m. Conturk Place. Clare, 4 p.m. The Fair Green, Ennis. Armagh, 4 p.m. Market Street. Gorey, 6.30 p.m. Main Street. Castle Blaney, 4.30 p.m. Hope Castle. Dingle, 4 p.m. The Marina. Fermanagh, 6 p.m. Fermanagh House, Enniskillen. Westport, 8 p.m. The Mall. Mallow, 7 p.m. Little. Lucan, 4 p.m. Lucan Weir. Cork, 7 p.m. Buttevant Primary School. Clare, 5.30 p.m. Ennis Diamond Town Square. Meath, 4 p.m. Arkham Monument, Ashburn. Tyrone, 4 p.m. Killyclaher, Oma. Drogheda, 4.30 p.m. The Ramparts. Cross McGlen, 4 p.m. The Square. Letterkenny, 7 p.m. Market Square. Louth, 4 p.m. Arden Library. Valencia Island, 4.25 p.m. Krakow Park, Knightstown. National Deaf Women of Ireland, 6 p.m. at Facebook Live. Cork, 9.30 a.m. Saturday, The Atlantic Pond. Drimna, 8 a.m. Saturday, Drimna Lewis. Waterford, 4 p.m. Saturday, Waterford Greenway, Carriganore. Mayo, 7 p.m. Saturday, Abbey Half Quarter, Badana. Portumna, 6 p.m. Saturday, Town Square. Longford, 6.30 p.m. Saturday, Ballymahan GA. Port Marnock, 5 p.m. Saturday, Port Marnock Beach. London, 4 p.m. on Saturday, London Irish Centre. Offaly, 7 p.m. on Sunday, Johns Hall, Burr. Moat, 4 p.m. Sunday, The Greenway. Kilkenny, 2 p.m. on Sunday, Kilkenny Castle. Can sail 4 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Trident Hotel, uh, Wash, Walsh's Island, County Offaly, Candlelight Vigil, this evening at 7.30. Um, the main Newcastle West, County Limerick, tomorrow at 4 p.m. St. John's Church, Clontarf Seafront, 4, 4.15 today. A village in Ballydavid, West Kerry at 6 p.m., 6.15 p.m. tonight with some traditional Irish music. Candlelit Vigil, Market Square, Clifton, County Galway at 4pm today. Um, a vigil this evening at 7pm in the gardens of the parochial house in Arklow. Lacket Trail, Turlockmore, County Galway at 4pm uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Vigil for Ashling, relighting the star on the Christmas tree. O'Connell Square, Mount Mellick tomorrow, Saturday at 6 o'clock. Rest in peace, Ashling.